Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Double O and decided it was time to da 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 duel. My name is Jeremy. I've been spray-painted with a fine coat of acrylic resin. I am Tyler. I have my own pair of rad-ass sunglasses. My name is Zach. Now I'm just imagining trying to get resin through an airbrush, and it's making me cry. <laughs> oh, my oh, poor God. airbrush and my poor me. The part is most resins are like at least two-part resins, so like you'd somehow have to either mix the... Well, no, you'd have to it, dilute them somehow? Yeah. I, d- I don't envy anyone who's trying to spray <laughs> spray paint resin. This sound- to be fair, Tyler, I don't think anyone is trying to do that. Well, that's actually how we paint cars, now that I think about it, is we actually spray paint nitrocellulose, and it is a resin. So. I mean, I recently spray painted resin. You spray painted onto, onto resin? resin? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I spray paint, I primed a resin model. Anyway, thinking about resin, this is a pitch for my new podcast, thinking about resin. So <laughs> uh, this, is it going to be a 3D printing podcast? Can I get you to 3, 3D print me some stuff? I don't have a 3D printer, so... Yet. Yet. <laughs> uh, speaking of this podcast, today we are watching episode 24 of Gundam Build Divers, Dark Matter. <laughs> Pirates of Dark Matter. Now, TM, 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 don't steal. <laughs> I can do something with that. What was the original show called? Oh, Pirates of Dark Water. Oh, thank you. I'm sad I forgot that. Today we're watching the penultimate episode of Gundam <laughs> Build Fighters, though. And if you're someone who only listens to the last two episodes of podcasts about shows. As you do. It's the story about Say and Reiji, who are a Baloney Boy or a Doty Boy, sp- uh, respectively. They entered the Gundam Build Championship, where you build a Gundam model and then fight with it in a video game-esque simulation against other people. Now they're in the finals against their high school rival, who is secretly Meijin Kawaguchi. It's not a secret. Everybody knows. <laughs> but he does have a superhero outfit for it. Reiji is now sort of dating Isla, a Finnish girl who was part of the, what was they called? The, Flana Institute. The, the Team the Nemesis. Yeah, I, I wanted to call it the Flagon Institute, which is what <laughs> it is in Malibu Suit Gundam, not this. Totally different. The Flana Institute, in- a group run by a fracking magnate trying to get a win <laughs> in Gumpla Championship. She has the power to see the particles that move Gumpla, and they built her cool cosplay that let her do that better, but put her in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, anyway, they beat her though via the power of friendship and flirting. And now Reiji they... flirted his way through the fight. Yes. Yep. And now they're in the finals. J- where... Just like uh, goddamn, I'm drawing a blank. Just like Fellini told him to. <laughs> yeah, Ricardo Fellini would do. <laughs> so they are in the finals against Majin Kawaguchi, who has sadly discarded his cool camp for amazing for an Exia amazing. That's it's it's worse. more like the Exia okay. Exia minus one. <laughs> The Exia over-designed. Uh, they put like a Freedom Wings on the backpack, and you'd think I'd be all about that. I'm not. Who else is there? Um, there's Chena, well, Say's can... girlfriend, who they're not, who he's not dating yet. Uh, we've got Alan, the Majin's partner, who we can see right here in our opening shot. Oh, don't forget about Nils, who's currently tied up in the basement. Oh, Nils yeah. Nielsen is currently tied up in the basement with, with Caroline. His fiance, Caroline. <laughs> yes, that very important. Thank you for reminding me. Because he discovered a cool crystal there that is the secret to moving Gundam plastic models. So they tied him up there and left him there for a week? Question mark. <laughs> Um, um, I imagine they kept them somewhere else and then put them back there for the finals. <laughs> I think they snuck in very recently. Like, they snuck in last night. Yeah. But anyway, that's going on. Uh, there's Mao. He's here. There's Ricardo Fellini, as mentioned, and Kalala, the Gumpla idol. Oh, there's uh, Romba Rawl, you know, from Gundam. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also, Say's dad is here now with his mom to watch. 
And there's Chairman Mashida, who owns the Gundam moving business, who doesn't like Reiji because Reiji has been reverse isekai and is a prince who can get him in trouble hey, if he realizes who he is. Hey, hey, spoilers. Well, we don't find it? that out until this episode. Well, I mean, that's been his story the entire time. He's just no, he's just been afraid of Reiji finding out who he is. He hasn't actually dis- disclosed who he is. And his assistant, Baker Chan. Yep, who is surprisingly more competent than almost anyone else on the show, but still fails all the time. Anyone else whose competency level we need to mention? <laughs> There's Mao. He's there. I don't think so. So we are going to watch episode 24 of Gundam Build Fighters, Dark Matter. You can watch along on Crunchyroll if you like. I, what do you think of this guy's episode? I was about to say you could skip this one, but <laughs> I guess it is the important one. Hmm? Tyler, what uh, did you think of this one? I'm curious. It's, it's fine. I'm kind of disappointed in the final fight, so. That's exactly my, this is disappointing. Yeah, the the climax was that time that Reishi flirted his way through a fight with his girlfriend, and it's all down here from there, because that rules. (laughs) This is the the ultimate fight. This is the finals. This is where you should be going over the top. Like, this is where things should be looking amazing. This is one of the most boring fights in this show. Oh no, it's chasing me down like, a corridor. It's it's be- way below the first fight between Yuki and, and Saiyan Reiji. It's worse than the fight they had with Fellini. Worse than the Greco-Logan fucking Niels Nielsen fight. I think a lot of the problem is the stakes with it, and we'll get into that. Because there are lots of bits that are cool in isolation, although the animation isn't as cool as it should be. Like at the end when the strike puts it back on the arm it discarded earlier, that rules. But <laughs> it doesn't have the impact you want it to. A whole bunch of stuff the Star Build Strike does for the first time, which is something Tyler's been saying he wants. And a lot of that is pretty cool, but it doesn't land. The Exia having 50 different swords appropriate for an Exia, <laughs> and the, the idea of it having a fire sword and an ice sword is kind of cool. But those are effectively just swords. <laughs> How does the ice sword freeze the beam sabers? That's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> it just got built really, really well when they put an ice cube in it. I think I was I was thinking about this a little bit, and this comes up later, but I think one of the problems you run into with this particular episode is that as soon as the, especially at this point in time, as soon as someone starts cheating, you know they're going to lose. Yeah. Like, they're going to lose, and therefore you lose a lot of the emotional impact that could have been in there of like, oh no, they're on the ropes, but the other guys are cheating, which means they're gonna lose. Yep. Period. I mean, to be fair, they're going to lose due to shonen bullshit, but they're going to lose. <laughs> it is also a show for kids, right? Like, it, it is a it is a shonen show angled at the lower end of that shonen spectrum. I acknowledge the <laughs> shonen spectrum. Well, because it, co- it it's, it's young, like, you're young boys to young boys, <laughs> <laughs> young boys to slightly younger boys. Um, but see, that's kind of the thing is that it is angled for that, but that doesn't mean you can't have good intelligent story writing and get away from these kind of really bad tropes. But they We've even... seen it with the characters that they've already introduced and shown us. That's one of the big problems here. What, whose character are we looking at with this episode? Mashida. Yeah, it is kind of Mashida, and I think there are a lot of problems that... You're, you're right as a tone-setting, Zach. I think there are a lot of more specific things we can get into that are the building blocks to why this doesn't work. But you saying that we've seen them do this before is, I think, right on the head. Because this is how the Isla and Reiji fight ends, too, right? That's they shown in bullshit her to death. But because they did so much character work, it's emotionally correct. So you don't really care. I mean, Tyler said it was kind of lame the way they finish her. And I kind of agree with that. But that all works because they've done all the emotional work for it, right? Whereas here, it really feels like they didn't in a lot of different ways. 
I think there are a lot of small ways it doesn't work. So then it's disappointing that they just shown in him to death instead of doing something clever. Because I think either one can work. Well, the, the clever thing that they do is dumping the arm and putting it back on later, which is, like you said, kind of a neat idea. But beyond that, they, there's not really anything there. Yeah, and there's just like a lot of moments are good individually, but they don't string together in a fight. Even when they use the RG system, like it's like, why didn't you use that before? And I'm not saying you should have used it before. It's not like there's an obvious point, but it doesn't feel like, oh, yeah, now he's activated our trap card and we have this or like they did anything clever with it. It just feels like now the theme song's playing. Hit the RG button. <laughs> yeah, the, the RG button feels kind of like the, the Megas XLR five minutes to the end of the episode button. Yep. Like... We've turned on this, therefore it's just going, we're going to end the fight now. There was only one fight that was kind of different with that, and that was the fight with Niels. Because even against Ricardo Fellini, they didn't turn it on immediately. Partly, we don't know what like limitations are on it, so why wait? Yeah. And they set up earlier, he has the Transam, but we have the RG, and we'll outlast him. So when he starts Transamming, that's when I expect it to happen, because that's what the series is kind of set up. And I don't think when they use it is wrong in the fight. But there's like just not enough reason for them to do it. And like I said, we're going to get through it. I think there's an even more fundamental reason this fight doesn't work. But like, it's not terrible, right? No, I mean, it's fine. We've just seen this show do better a lot. So it's disappointing. It occurs to me, I forgot to bring out my notes and have you guys read through them. But one of the things that I noticed or that I pointed out is that they finally used the damn shield again. So Yeah, the shield finally does something in this yeah. episode. It, it is immediately destroyed afterwards because they decided to use the stupidest fucking mode it has. <laughs> B- wait, big stupid laser? Yes, <laughs> but at least this time it didn't take 10 minutes to charge. Well, that's because they uh, they forgot to turn up the speed toggle <laughs> on it. <laughs> I think the, the most useful thing that thing could, could do is that boost speed. Yeah, that's clearly the meta use of it, and everything else is just you're trying to do your super move to show off. <laughs> So we are watching episode 24, Dark Matter. Like, don't actually skip it. It's important, but like, I don't know. Spoilers, we've all seen the last episode. I kind of want to ask them what they think of it, but I guess we'll save it for next. So stay tuned for that. We begin on Yuki and Alan being like, finally, our masterpiece, the Exia Amazing is complete. Oh, God, this thing looks terrible. It the true re- form of the Exia Amazing looks like a fucking mess. Now, say so it looks like a, a busy version of a double O to me. It looks like they stapled cubile wings onto the side of it. <laughs> it looks like they weren't allowed to use the Gundam double O, so they were like, I don't know, let's like throw some extra spikes on it and pretend we're not. <laughs> I I do not like this thing. I think it's probably because of how sleek the X, the original Exia's design actually is. Like, it's nice, smooth, it's got kind of... It's well done lines and proportions. Here, it just looks like, like I said, it looks like a mess. And I think the bigger problem is it doesn't do anything the Exia doesn't do, right? Yeah. It just uses swords, like the Exia. It it has one additional thing that it does. The the backpack? Yes. Which I guess is what the backpack is. But if if it had the camphor's guns and they were in the wings, that would be cool, I think, and it could work. But like it just looks like they've stapled on some extra parts and are in denial that it doesn't look good because they spent so much time modeling it. So Yuki swears on this Gumpla to have a final battle that will thrill Gumpa fans all around the world. And then Mashida walks in and is like, that's not good enough. <laughs> Dude, you, could, you did not fucking hear that through that door. He bought the door. He made sure he could yell through it if he wanted to. So he's got a bunch of Kaiba Corp goons with him. <laughs> Yeah, this is after Kaiba's arc, and he's a good guy now, so he all his goons needed new jobs, and Machida <laughs> was just there, so. 
I guess this would have to be before Kaiba Corp takes over the world and is the source of energy, though. So anyway, this is not Yu-Gi-Oh! continuity. <laughs> and Mashita's like, Majin, I want you to win, or it wasn't worth building a works team for you. Do you not understand the concept of investment, dude? No. Actually, we do know that. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> he lets Baker Chan handle that, and she is not in this scene. And yeah, you don't understand why, like, honestly, it is a little weird that you put so much money into a works team for this. But at the same time, this is one huge, like, advertisement for your company. And here is where the motivations being just a little off start. Because every fight up until here, Majin Kawagachi has been like, I have to win. That's the minimum for a Majin. And maybe we're supposed to think he's over it with his, like, arc about the second That's the read I took. But but that didn't play at all at the time, I don't think. No, It didn't play really super well at the time, and it also... Like it was, I think it was supposed to be brought up in the fight with Julian, and then later kind of reinforced when he talks to Say and Reiji. Like I can see him saying this to one of them, but actually, no. You know what it actually is? It's because this is Yuki speaking. This isn't Majin speaking. Every other time when he said that's the minimum, is when he's been in Majin mode. Yeah, but I feel like when your boss walks in, you go into Majin mode. If that makes sense. He hasn't had time to slick his hair back and put on his sunglasses. That's a free action for him, and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) The motivation is a little wacky here. Like, he should be more confident of, yes, of course I'm going to win. But he's like, but more than that, I want to show the world that a true mage, but Mashida's like, no, forget such childish thoughts. You should be all about victory like your predecessor, the second mage. If you win, you can have all the money and hot babes you want. You but just, to do, but you, to do so, you must ignore your opponent's pleas of mercy, attack his weak points, and destroy him utterly. Majin Kuwagichi, what is best in life? <laughs> Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing that matters. But at the same time, like that's that's not really how this works. So here's where Yuki's like, oh no, did the second Majin get his philosophy from you? And if the second Majin arc was properly done and executed on well i think this would be a really cool interesting reveal and the bit about yuki becoming what he hates via mind control and mishida being the person behind the strings could all really really work none of what i just said happened to them <laughs> you know it would make thinking about it i think this would work a little better if they'd done a little bit more homework earlier on and make like the majin a constant presence kind of like mao's teacher effectively on yuki's shoulder because as it is we just have what people have said about the mage and one shot of him in a hospital bed. We don't actually have him saying a freaking thing. Nope. So we don't know what his actual like motivations or anything like that actually are. Well, he had a dark aura, Zach. That's so, all we need to know. <laughs> so if he'd been around and kind of pressuring Yuki and Yuki pushing back on this, it would also help the Julian fight because, you know, the mage is there kind of as this not quite Darth Vader uh, Palpatine figure to... Yuki as he's going through this and then the rejection of his philosophy in that fight also makes that fight hit better. It's a lot of what I was saying during the Julian episode is this needed to be clearly what Yuki was struggling with from the start of the tournament because now they want him to be the deuteragonist and they don't fully commit to it and all of this gets packed into these two episodes where it doesn't have nearly enough time to breathe or enough time for us to care about it. Oh man this would have been so much better than some of those like group stage ones earlier if they dedicated more time like instead of having the baseball episode or like the race episode or something like that you can still do those in montages maybe not the race because that one does lead into like they need need, well mainly they need to fight Fellini and that's actually kind of important but 
like having a lot more focus on Yuki as a character because he doesn't really do much as a deuteragonist for most of the first part of the tournament. And having him brought forward more and having like the second mage in, in a wheelchair being there, being that presence. And then later on, he has like a collapse and that's why he's in the hospital bed later in the season. Like that would work out just Or fine. even if he just has flashbacks to like his interactions with him or something. And his battle with the Renato brothers is kind of a battle with somebody who has Majin Kawaguchi's viewpoint. So like clearly from the design doc stage, that is supposed to be Yuki's arc, but they really fail on the execution because we don't even know about Majin Kawaguchi the second when he's facing the Renato brothers. They make a lot of references to him, which is why I said at the time, oh, actually knowing all I do about the backstory and stuff, their whole thing makes a lot of sense, but the show hasn't told us that yet. So it's got its stuff out of order. It happens too far apart. For you to really piece it together unless you, like, go back and unless look at it. Unless you're doing an episode-by-episode episode exactly, yeah, yes. Build Fighters <laughs> podcast, yes. Because if you're watching this on a weekly basis, you have the Renato Brothers fight, and then you go back to, say, in Reiji, and they have the Niels fight, the Isla fight, there's the fight of uh, Fellini versus Isla in there. There's, like, at least three or four episodes between the fight with the Renato Brothers and the fight with Julian, which is the closest we get to having more of that information. So if you're watching this episode by episode, that's at least a month. Yep. And I guess we're tiptoeing around the fact that Yuki is mind controlled for this entire fight, which I think is something you can do. It's also disappointing, but in some ways that's deliberate. You're supposed to be frustrated with the disappointing circumstances of the match the same way that the characters are. And they've already had a real match against Yuki. So doing it differently makes some sense. You'll also get a little bit of that pro wrestling protection on Yuki by him losing this way. There's still the idea that if they fought for real, Yuki, Yuki might, might win. win. Yeah. In the penultimate episode, I'm not sure that's useful, but it is an extra thing you gain by doing it this way. But because the Mashita and Majin Kawaguchi, the second stuff, isn't strong enough, I just don't think it works. And I think the fight then becomes void of stakes. Because as Zach said, suddenly he's cheating, so he's not going to win. And I don't want to spoil how the series ends up ending. But I think if Majin Kawaguchi beat Reiji and we still get that ending, that's actually a Oh, lot yeah, more that'd powerful. be interesting. It would help that out a lot more. Um, I still think the ending is good, but we'll talk more about that next week. When a character is cheating, like I said, this deep into, the episode, this deep into a series, you know they're not going to win. Now, if it sets them up early and they cheat and they progress, now they're your antagonist. Because you can do that to set up as like the goal is to pull myself back up and beat that guy. But here, we're too deep. And the more I think about it, the more, even if he's cheating, it's more interesting if he wins. Because then, say, and Reiji get that protection if they could beat him in a fair match, right? And yeah. then Reiji is the one who has the protection of, oh, would he have won? And that's more interesting with the way the series ends off. Anyway, Mashida is like, yeah, you have to win. You must crush your enemies and see them driven before you. Hear the lamentation of the girls they may or may not be dating. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Yuki is like, I reject your philosophy. And Mashita is like, good thing I have mind control. <laughs> and good thing I brought enough Kaiba goons to pin you guys down and bring out a the dick of the Flana Institute. Hey, nine, nine Bathers. Hey, we forgot Nine Bathers. I forgot to say Nine Bathers' name. Who gets in his catchphrase? I'm sorry, but this is about business. <laughs> I get you these cool glasses that will mind control you and let you see particles. He looks and so dumb with them on. 
I think that's on purpose. They that's... look very Gundam, though. Dark matter? More like dork matter. Um... <laughs> I feel like he would be into that look. Yes, though. he would. And that's exactly why he's a dork. Um... So now we get the opening sequence after 25 minutes of podcast. <laughs> So we cut to the arena where, of course, the fans are all packed in and Which they is, have seen like the last. It's the uh, after credit scene of the last episode. Well, they're, everyone's reacting to it. Well, no, it's still the it's still the after credit scene because we saw well, most of these people also reacting to Setsuna wearing glasses. Uh, Yuki. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're all shocked because this looks like some dorky cosplay he cooked. up. Which is exactly what he would do anyway. Which is yeah. pretty much what Reiji says. Are you trying to show off because it's the final round? But even then, it comes off because we know Reiji is confrontational when he's uncomfortable. That's how it comes off to me. But anyway, he's got an evil dark aura and says like, man, you feel that? And Reiji's like, yes, I am a shounen character. Well, <laughs> Reiji looks, Reiji gives like a nervous look, which is something we haven't really seen him do before. And Rambo Rawl's like, hey, says dad, doesn't this feel like the second Kawagachi to you? And Mao's master who's there confirms, yes, it feels just like him. I like how the three girls we have names for, Misaki, China, and Isla, are all sitting next to each other. Yeah, well, I uh, dubbed the people sitting in the row above them the old man section. So, <laughs> but, so Say's dad isn't, isn't part of that, though. No, he's not. He's because, a young man. Yeah. He's sitting with his wife, their surrogate daughter, and their future daughter-in-law, and Misaki. <laughs> so Reiji is like, man, something weird's going on, but it's a shining anime. The best way to figure it out is just to fight him and hear what he says with his fists. And Say is like, you're rubbing off on me. Well, Like is... I said, they're both becoming purple-oni. More Say than Reiji, honestly, but... I feel like Reiji actually... Like, Say is, is wearing off on Reiji a lot. Because, like, Reiji is calming down. Like, Reiji actually That's seems fair. like he's doing a lot more thinking than he has in the past. Like, he's not as aggressive. But Say has always been weirdly, like, mature for his age. I think I've said that before. So, like... He's actually helping Reiji grow up. Anyway, field one, space. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is this a new gun for this thing? Because it looks different from the ones they've used before. For the Starbuilt Strike? Yes. No, it's the same gun. It's always had that. It's animated a little differently here. There's not as much as a gap between the two sides of the gun, but this is the gun it's always had. Okay, it's completely worthless in everything it does anyway. But so they immediately they launch and somehow the Majin kicks them as they come out of the launch. Yeah, he was tube. already there and just DFAs them. Which is cool in tone setting. It seems more like impressive the Majin got here already than like he's right. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's weird that he did that. Like, how fast can he move around the map? Like, did he just put did it he down transam? first? And they, they're like kind of offended that he's doing this right out of the gate. And I'm like, I mean, if there was some kind of unspoken thing that everybody had shown before, like you know, kind of meet your opponent, bow, that kind of thing. That would make them being offended by the fact that he went after them right out of the gate make a little bit more sense. But no, this is just good technique. Like He's said, winning. He's keeping them on the back foot. It's more weird and impressive that he got there fast enough to do it, like I said. And it goes back to what I was talking about with Bill Diver's weird relationship with sportsmanship, where it can't really <laughs> determine what is good and bad sportsmanship because it wants to be about competition and it kind of acknowledges that drive to win but also it's like, oh, but these things are bad. Like the Renato brothers are bad. And it's like, really? But why? why? <laughs> and when Baker cheats, she's incompetent and it results in nothing. Outright cheating is pretty much like you said, Zach, always means you lose, which is the Shonen show. I get that sort of like, that's an ethos. I can respect that. That's the tone you want to set. I, so like they do all these weird half cheating stuff that like you say, Zach, doesn't really feel underhanded properly. 
I actually don't have a problem with <laughs> they need more dick dastardly <laughs> putting out the idea that cheating results in loss. Like I'm okay with that as a message to send to younger people, which is what this is actually aimed at. But this is one of those things that would make sense if it was established ahead of time that good conduct for the uh, not not good conduct, but like good sportsmanship. Good sportsmanship was like the shake hands at the beginning of the match. And, you know, the the two Gundams line up, bow, you know, whatever. Some kind of ritual that may not necessarily be in the rulebook, but is something understood by all combatants. Yeah, taunt before you start the match, obviously. That way, when he comes out of the gate and immediately goes on the offensive, it's like, oh, now this is bad sportsmanship. This is someone who is defying what is seen as this is what is acceptable as a good sport in this sport. I do think the way that the scene is shot, cut, and animated does a really j- effective job of showing how jarring it is and does make it feel a little underhanded. But like I said, Gundam Build Fighters has a real show-don't-tell problem when it comes to sportsmanship of, oh, this is fine. This is bad, though. See all these bad vibes coming off him? It's like we talked about with, what did Major Kawaguchi II do that people thought was so underhanded? Because I still don't understand after this. None of these tactics seem like it's super effective or dastardly. The one that does is the field change, which is explicitly cheating. Yeah. Um, and not done by him. Well, that, that's why I was saying that, like, this is something that we, they could have done pretty easily throughout the rest of the episodes of just having, like, beginning of the match, not necessarily the Gundams come out and stop, but, like, the, the combatants, because they can talk to each other on a, on a communicator. We've already seen them do that. Have like the mobile bow, suit. Per- let's have a good get, let's have a good match type of thing. Victory like, is not decided by mobile suit performance alone or by the <laughs> pilot alone. Only the result is the truth. So this <laughs> the, the reason why this comes into my head is because it is explicitly one of those things that they actually detail and talk about in uh, Girls and Panzer and they Rich actually, from Mercury. They actually mention like yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing of like here is the ritual to start things off. You bow or whatever the case may be that you want to go into. You give that little that little spiel. And then when someone goes against it, or even if it's not specifically against the rules, it's like... It's bad sportsmanship. It's bad sportsmanship. Yeah. It's like not shaking the guy's hand after the game. Like, it's not against the rules, but you look like a dick. So he starts shooting them with Exia gun, which they dodge because it's an Exia. <laughs> and Say has to remind Reiji about the absorb shield, and is like, oh yeah, that thing's been so fucking worthless this entire tournament, I forgot I had it. They get to full power. And respond with their own giant blast. Because you got to get it in a second time. This time it's not a shotgun effect. It just looks like a giant super laser. Which I like the effect of a lot more. I guess this is because they shoot all three of their guns into the thing. And not just the rifle. Although you'd think more guns would be more shotgun. Not more focused. (laughs) But what do I know? I'm not a Gundam builder. But he's got the same technique as Niels Nielsen and cuts the beam in half. And is that supposed to be bad sportsmanship? Because that just seems like learning from your opponents a thing that seems perfectly reasonable. I mean, I get that well, it's a shocking thing and it gives him a huge edge, but you know, are we supposed to think this is bad sportsmanship or just, oh, Yuki's pretty good at this? I, think, I, I, I interpret got, it I, as just Yuki's pretty good at it. That's but. what I got the interpretation of, too. But say that's why you use your mobility, not your fucking big-ass gun in a one-on-one. So speaking of mobility, the Exia Amazing draws a beam saber. Uh, did we mention it's spray-painted pink and black? Now it's spray-painted pink and black <laughs> well, now it's, it's to like match a, it, the Majin's glasses. It's almost like a maroon. It's not my typical lotus, at least bright, hot, candy pink. I actually really like taking that little car, painting it like bright pink with like black or white highlights. <laughs> but I don't like this design to begin with. I really don't like it in red. So they're beam saber struggling. Of course, the Exia is better in a beam saber fight. And the Majin punches out their main camera. 
Is I, that bad sportsmanship or is I actually, that good technique? I like that move because you always see like the beam clashing and whatnot. And no one ever uses the free hand for anything. Yeah. Except Char. So just to, to <laughs> knock out the main camera, which I apparently won't do him too much problems later, but then he goes ahead and he cuts the absorb shield in the gun because, of course, they get cut off because they're fucking useless. Yeah, I was going to say they're the worst. Why does Reiji even have a gun? I don't understand. <laughs> it's useful sometimes. It's just a. It's it was also really not- useful in the prelims. That's fair. It's also not his fighting style, though, is really my problem with it. Yeah, but in the prelims, it's probably easier to just shoot a guy if he's bad. And then you you fall back on what you're good at if you have to. I do like the fact that as he is falling away, he is firing the Vulcans. They're not doing anything, but at the same time, I like that he's using them. I like the acknowledgement that they're there. Anyway, the Majin comes through the cloud of dust and just fucking dynamic entries them into the ground. (laughs) Everyone is so super concerned about them. It's It's a game. Guys, they're that not re- actually in the mobile suit. That relentless fighting style. Again, bad, good. <laughs> but Say's dad is like, why is Yuki fighting like that? His fighting style is more cool guns. <laughs> I mean, this is exactly how you want to fight. This is, he's winning. He's keeping them on the back foot. There's not anything that they can do about it. He's at the keeping moment. them on the back of his foot, specifically. No, he's using the front of his foot. He's uh, keeping them on the front of his that's foot. That's fair. <laughs> so we cut to the student lounge where Nine is doing business on his phone while some Kaiba Corp goons keep Alan at bay by the shoulder. He is a woman in Power Rangers, so having a hand on his shoulder <laughs> makes him helpless. Well, I kind of figure that in this case, he's got two bigger guys basically leaning on him. Yeah, I know. And Alan's like, no, stop. This isn't what the Majin wanted. And Nine Bathers is like, yes, but it is business. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, cut to giant crystal room where we find Carolyn and Nils tied up as the crystal's about to explode or something. Yeah, it's like it's glowing super much, and so is the mask on the Majin. Ragey, as they are now both dual wielding. Ragey does like to do that. He keeps falling back. He has lost his main gun, but he still has the guns on the backpack for now. Oops. Oh, wait, he just, they just got sorted off. So he dumps the backpack, so now it's just a build strike with nothing except its beam sabers. And Mashita's like, yes, destroy them. And we see the crystal on his pocket watch is glowing. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that Nine Bathers invented mind control via Plavsky particles. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> and again, I kind of like the idea that Say and Reiji are now actually fighting against Mashita, the guy who has gotten in their way by proxy. But it just doesn't quite work, in part because they never know that's who they're fighting, in part because, like I said earlier, the connection between him and the second Majin didn't quite go through, in part because he's been so foolish and incompetent up till now, in part because Embody never implied anything about mind control. There are so many tiny things that could bridge this into something. My question is how the hell they like made a general purpose mind control system yeah, the in one, like a week. Yeah, because the one they had was specific to Isla. Yeah. And they specifically said if anybody else puts it on, it won't do anything. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently Nine's just the unsung genius of this series. And there was like some implicit, oh, we can control her by turning it up, right? And so like, again, uh, there's a small bridge you can get there. But there's just lots of small things missing between these two points, which is, re- again, really too bad because they're usually so good at those things. And so Baker is like, yes, with mind control technology like this, you could rule the world. This was one of the jokes that actually kind of made me laugh. Yep. Yeah. It's so revealing of Machida's character, right? Which is what this show is good at. Because Machida's immediately like, yeah, that sounds like way too much work, man. I All I want to do is be rich. Eat good food. <laughs> 
chill with a hot chick who I'm definitely not having sex with. <laughs> Although I do like how when she says that it's also like it's the, the, like the world is illustrated like a, in crayon. Yeah, it's like a crayon drawing. Um, I, I do it like it's like fairly revealing of uh, Baker Chan because she immediately is like, oh, I'm sorry. OK, let's go back to what we were doing. <laughs> I mean, she's always like that with him. But yeah, she has ambition, but like completely defers to him. It's really interesting. And now we get an exposition dump of who Mashida actually is and what's all going on. Yeah, he was just a thief on Arion who snuck into the royal treasury and found a cool crystal and got teleported here. He got reverse isekai'd first, and it was like, what's going on? And then a wild Baker Chan appeared in Salem Mask cosplay, yep. <laughs> and it was like, you know what you should do with this crystal? Make plastic Gundam models move. It would make us super rich. And then it did. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I can't give this up now. I have to... If I go, if I return to Aaron, I'll be arrested as a criminal. About that. Yeah. <laughs> About that, yeah. We'll get onto that later. I always love the way Mashita's anxiety is drawn and how he's just constantly nervous about losing his position. And that nervousness is, of course, his undoing because if he had not gotten involved, Reishi would not even have noticed he existed. <laughs> Which Plavsky crystal did he steal? I assume the big one. I think it's the big one. It's supposed to be the big one. Well, I, I think, think he snuck a- in and grabbed it and then it teleported. How? I, I think it's the enormous. idea was that he went, into the, he went into the treasury to try and steal something else, saw that, and made contact with it, or stole the, the, the one that's in his pocket watch, and it resonated with that crystal and teleported him and the crystal to this world because we already know that those crystals have a weird tendency to to uh, react to wishes if his wish was a, especially if it was a situation if uh, like guards were coming so he wished to escape I wish I was anywhere but here um, yes kind of a anywhere but here situation and it just dumped him no into my question this world. is how did he pick it up and move it around because he had to uh, have done it at some point Chan's dad owns a construction company and had a crane <laughs> who's to say he did. Well, because he had to get it somewhere after he got teleported to the. I mean, this maybe world, he built the stadium around it. That is certainly a possibility. Oh, that's fair, yeah. Which implies it was like in a sewer or something. <laughs> I mean, no one would get it. Yep. Or maybe it was lighter than it looks. That Th- also that's also be. fair. Who knows how crystals It's work. magic. And we also know that they don't normally glow. So it's entirely possible he could have just hired a bunch of day laborers. Back to the fight where Mashida is cheering on Majin Kawaguchi for the sake of his peaceful life. <laughs> and Sei and Reiji complain that he's only aiming for the joints, which, like j- again, just seems like effective tactics. Yeah, that doesn't seem like bad sportsmanship. It's just, that's the smart move. But then they actually, then cheating actually happens. Because Baker hits the cheating button and sends them to field 1.5. Death Star Trench. <laughs> See, I, as soon as this happened, my immediate thought was basically every fan watching this is going to be pissed because it's obvious that some kind of shady shit's going on. Yep. Um, anyway, they're in the death end because that's more of a Death Star 2 trench than a Death Star Trench. It's the inside of a Boku. But they're at a dead end with the Exia coming after them. It does cut a n- nice silhouette in the darkness. So all they can do is go to sword fight. And of course, they brought a sword to an Exia fight. (laughs) And they block one of its swords with their beam sabers, but then their beam sabers freeze. Yeah, because it's an ice sword. sword. And then the other sword is a fire sword, which seems kind of ineffective against... It does seem very Majin Kawaguchi. You know, Alan was like, this is a dumb idea. And Majin Kawaguchi was like, no, it rules. (laughs) (laughs) Look how cool this is. So the build strikes right arm gets pinned to the side or to the wall by the ice sword. Its other sword gets stabbed with the fire sword. Reiji tries the Vulcan, so it crushes the Vulcans. And then the build strike shuts 
down. And the fight is over. Why? Uh, it got stabbed. To, it lost all its hit points, Zach. It's fine. It's going to roll a natural 20 on its get up check. But before, when it was going against Fellini, it got absolutely fucked up. And now it's been stabbed twice and now it's shut down? It's because of the fire sword. It yeah, it overheated. Have... <laughs> yeah, it overheated. It's a T-Semp sword. And then, like, coming up here, like, Say's dad actually has a really good point. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. The Exia does the devil thing as it drifts backwards, and we go to not a, uh, not a... I catch. I catch, thank you. You want the word I catch, Zach. <laughs> I did indeed want the word I catch. Hello, it's the penultimate episode of Gundam Built Fighters, and... It's kind of an anticlimactic fight. Um, that's really disappointing, but I do think the series ends on a strong note. So stick around for the next episode, and also at some point we're doing a recap on it. At this point, we've already finished recording the show, and we're getting ready to gather comments, questions, feedback, etc. on Gundam Build Fighters, slash, you know, just the podcast in general. Um, I think we've more or less decided what we're doing as our next series, and I'm pretty excited because I think it's going to be terrible. Um, which I think ironically makes for better content for us. This is the part where I plug stuff like our patreon.com slash last podcast, where if you want to finish Gundam Build Fighters early, you can just do that right now. We're also getting ready to record our May bonus episode, and you can not listen to me if you don't like the sound of my voice, although I guess you're listening to the podcast, which implies that you're doing that a lot already anyway. No particular announcements, I just want to say, hey, all the new people in the Discord, as of... May 7th, there have been like two and a half-ish more people. That's the average I'm going with. Welcome in. Um, I'm really excited. I, I actually just joined like a uh, streaming-specific Discord, and they actually have about as many people as we do, and that's exciting for me because I feel like uh, listening to podcasts about Gundam specifically and manga and some old video games is extremely niche, and I'm really glad y'all are here with us. I'm also just now realizing that the owner of that Discord joined our Discord like a week ago, so hi, Thar. And also, hi, Squid. Anyway, that's all I got. I, yeah, I, I need to go buy lumber today, so I'm cutting this short. Cutting it like the lumber I will cut. Anyway, let's get back to watching the Power Shown in Spirit defeat Mind Controlled Yuki. Thinking of wanting to get by Something for your mind So we're back from the words Zach wanted. And <laughs> with Say and Reiji, of course, begging their inanimate gumplet to move. Because it doesn't make sense that it wouldn't. Why is it? What's it charging? I think that's the charge level. <laughs> Since when does it have a charge level? It always has for like its absorb shield. And I don't think it's related to it going or not. But it's always, Say is always watching meters, Zach. <laughs> okay, that's true. I mean, this is a required thing in any Gundam for a character to be yelling for his Gundam to move. I do like the overlay of Mashida's face on the Exia. Yeah, it, it is effective at showing it's actually Mashida doing this, which again, I think is interesting, but one step removed from where it needs to be. So the Exia just starts punching the Starbuilt Strike. And Sheena's like, no, says Gumpla. And Rinko is also like, says Gumpla. And says dad is like, I, I'm an official Gundam referee. I'm going to go protest this field change yeah, bullshit. Like, this, is, this actually is a good sense. Like, I'm an official referee. I'm going to protest this bullshit. And Rambo Rawls is like, no, if you're doing it for your child, it's like, no, this is legitimately against the rules. 
Well, I think Mass Master's like, nah, they're the good guys. I'm pretty sure they're going to win eventually. You don't want to screw that up for them. <laughs> and Takashi's like, well, dang it, you're right. And is like, well, you're not even fighting back, so I'm going to sit here and, and think of a terrible way to finish this. Baker Chan is like, you know, you should probably finish it off immediately before some kind of shonen bullshit happens. He's like, no, that never happens. <laughs> After all, my strong will controls the mage, and he says right into his crystal. And then I do love this bit where Isla, still wearing her plastic crystal, is like, is someone talking to me? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Who is mind controlling the Majin? <laughs> and I do like how she immediately thinks of, I'm going to tell Reiji. Yeah, Reiji's got a cool crystal too. That, that looks a lot like the bullshit they put me in when I it would always give me a headache, like I was Rita Repulsa. <laughs> anyway, say is depressed that Yuki is being an asshole to him. Reiji is just going <laughs> back and forth on his controller, you. trying to get it to connect. Say so is like, this isn't the sort of fight you wanted, is it, Yuki? I didn't think you were a dick when you said that you wanted a good fight. Fortunately for them, Reiji gets a call on his rock. <laughs> from his girlfriend who's like, hey, pretty sure Majin Kawaguchi is being mind controlled by like an asshole. And they're like, oh, that's what we needed to reboot the Star Bill. <laughs> I like right. how Say steps outside of his little cockpit thing and is like, is it the mask? Huh. I wonder. And so it's like, Reiji, we have to stop the Majin and win. And Reiji's like, no, let's Shonen this. And Say's like, Okay. <laughs> I'm good at show the shonen shonen stuff is my like highest stat. <laughs> I feel like there's got to be a tabletop system where shonen spirit is a I stat. Mean, you're familiar with feelings and lasers, right? Yeah, yeah. That's basically what that is. It says like you're stubborn, but I guess if we like took off our arm, we could reroute all the power into the rest of the Gundam. I'll just Oh, wait. I didn't unplug it and plug it back in. That's so, oh, what was I thinking? I got too caught up in the hype of the finals. It's so obvious. <laughs> so the so belt strikes back, back up. Yeah, it turns back on. And just as the Exia is rearing back for a punch, they eject the right arm of the star build strike. And bounce themselves off of the wall. And then kick the Exia. That's because how you Reiji know. Because is a good pilot. Yeah. And then he t takes the sword out of him and throws it away instead of using it. They're like, how did you get mind controlled so easy? Your wisdom stat seems so high. Later on, it actually seems like he's using it. It's a, it's the other sword. He had both. Oh no! So he pulls the other one out of his out of the purged arm. Yeah. So Mashida's like, oh, there's some interference. Uh, I don't know, Majin, kill him, kill him, good. <laughs> Do a murder that uh, causes Yuki to grimace. That puts him in grimace mode. And then he he reveals that the shoulders are also swords because it's an Exia <laughs> and activates Trans Ham. But Reiji's like, hey, in a tight space like this, that's not actually going to help him much. And this puts the Exia on the back foot, so Mashita starts to retreat. Well, it, he's aggressive, and since Mashita is inherently a coward, he starts running away. So they tell Bathers to hit the bad juice and put it higher. But Alan debt down Mr. President Sam, and by that I mean does a football tackle, so he can't play with the knob. <laughs> and this turns the field back. I, I suppose Baker turns the field back. Uh, which does mean the Exia now has the advantage by doing Exia sword things at the build strike. And then it launches its sword bird backpack plane. <laughs> that also has giant fuck off lasers. It's, yeah, like, it's implied while this thing is going that the Exia amazing is just standing there. No, it's because it uh, uses the GN drive to power it. That's why I'm saying so. it's implied that it's just kind of standing there. But they have 10% charge, which is enough to do one little bit of star build strikiness. Which they then Sailor Moon with their sword to turn into a... I kind of love this attack. It makes no sense. 
Uh, then they build make the giant gate and they throw the sword through it or like launch it like a bow is more like. The star build strike is fully on uh, final move logic now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it just does that. It punches through the bird. The bird explodes but shoots its GN drive back to the Exia Amazing. Which then powers back on and is still in Transam. I mean, that seems to me how one of those drives would work, even yeah. in the source material, so. Well, the bird was also kind of in Transam when it was moving around. Like you could see that you could see the the after images when it was moving. So it might be a different Pontiac then, a Firebird. Uh, the Trans Am is. Do you know why it's called Trans Am? I mean, we've ex- we've talked about okay. it before, but uh, I honestly forgot. So uh, the director, the car he always wanted as a kid was a Pontiac Trans Am. Yeah, or a Pontiac Firebird. Ooh, poor taste. <laughs> the Firebirds are fine. It's a GM product. They're all terrible. Well, he was Japanese, so it was cool to have an American car. You see that? <laughs> okay, that's fair. So everyone's like, oh, the final showdown. And Say's dad is like, he's still in Trans Am, though. But Rob Barol and Sheena are like, yes, but the build strike has not used its RG button yet. And Say's like, Reggie, hit the real good button. And then the theme song <laughs> starts playing. We, we do eventually get a shot of what that what the RG actually means. Yeah, Radial General. We've seen it before. Okay, we did. We have seen it before. I couldn't remember. Yeah, he's just got a big flywheel inside of there. <laughs> so uh, he Reggie goes in for the build knuckle, but can't hit because he's only got one arm. And it's still in Trans Am. So it keeps doing Trans Am stuff to them. But mostly being behind them and kicking them. Yeah, Trans Am stuff. KO yep. stuff. Same stuff. <laughs> so Rolls like, it's only attacking the broken parts, which actually to me just seems like a bad strategy because <laughs> the fixed parts can still do stuff. Well, the thing is, like, especially with regards to the camera, most of the damage stuff is on the side that they may not be able to see real well on. Uh, fair. They start dodging a bunch of Exia fire. But hey, it's their missing arm, which is now just floating in space because the space station. I do no like that they exists. get like a note, an automated notification that hey, there's an arm over it here. It says attention. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the Exia Dark Matter activates its giant wrist beam sabers because it didn't have enough swords. <laughs> oh, we should have counted. I think it does have seven in this fight. I think it has eight. That would actually be even better to me. It's like, <laughs> I give it an extra one. So as we talked about early on, there's a very cool shot of them slapping the arm back on, which of course just pushed the fits because it's a Gundam model and we see the pin <laughs> that goes through. And I do love the effect of the RG system going into it once it's Honestly, when inside. they turned around, what I thought they were going to do is beat him to death with the arm. <laughs> Me too. I thought they were going to use it as a bludgeoning tool. Well, that is at. kind of what they did. Yeah, well, just that's not fair. The way you're t- just not arm fall off boy style. <laughs> anyway, they unleash their final attack. Punch it with two hands. Yeah, double build knuckle. <laughs> they do like a Kamehameha stance for a second, which is entirely flourish. They also use the last of their RG system to make it go faster. Or not the RG system, but the... Uh, the absorb system. The absorb system. But yeah, so they, they punch the Exia amazing so hard it breaks. Well, they punch through the beam saber. Which we've in, seen them do before. Yeah, into the chest. There is a cool shot of Reiji and Say alternating. Yeah, it's I like that Evangelion. a lot. But yeah, anyway, they punch it so hard, the paint falls off. Well, first it explodes, and then the paint falls off. (laughs) (laughs) Which also breaks the mind control. And knocks the scarf off. To be fair, we know they were connected to the particles. Somehow. (laughs) It's dumb. My favorite part of that is that it knocks his scarf off, so he's no longer Setsuna. I love the, again, going to Evangelion. The Starbuild Strike, like, trying to throttle the Exia Amazing as the power to the fight starts to go out. So both models fall to the floor as the particles are dispersing? Because the battle is over, but they are dramatically waiting to announce the winner because of the finals. It's obvious who won. One of those was still moving? Yeah, to, to us, to all these plebs in the stands. Who knows? 
But then the build strike stands up and does the G Gundam pose. Yeah! <laughs> that all ended. It is Gundam the Gundam. And we see everyone's reactions. A duo of nine bathers who doesn't seem that bothered. He's flabbergasted mostly. But then the crowd starts cheering because Saiyan Reiji run. No, no. He has the star build strike, Fleeny. The, the amazing <laughs> the amazing was the Majin. No, no. He's saying amazing in Japanese, not amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Say's dad is crying and his mom just like gives him a big hug. She's also crying. She's just better at hiding it. <laughs> and everyone's like, yep. Say and Reiji are sure are cool dudes who did win a Gunpla tournament. And Reiji is now the best fighter in the world and Say is the best builder. <laughs> I love Isla's reaction. It's great. It's arguably the most excited we've seen her the entire show. <laughs> Same with Chino. <laughs> but uh, as Chino looks down, Reiji and Say aren't uh, like celebrating. They're running over to Yuki to make sure he's okay. Yeah, did any of that glass get in like, your eyes? That seemed like a bad explosion and could be a bad time. Is, yeah. the, 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 the scarf didn't get tangled around your neck or anything, right? Yuki's like, I'm sorry. I ruined your final battle. And they're just, they're, both of them are like, oh, just thanks. He's okay. <laughs> and Say's like, yeah, we can play again. I mean, we won't get to do it in front of a billion fans, and that sucks. But our fight we didn't have in front of a billion fans was way better anyway. <laughs> and we can have, like, Fellini in one corner and Rambaral in a dark alley and, like, our girlfriend somewhere. You can bring Alan. He'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, let's do that but, thing that you said you wanted y- to do as Majin. Yuki being super, like, overdramatic about this really tracks with him. Yep. Say is like, it's a promise, and they uh, shake hands on it. And Rage is like, yeah, this is three people, which makes sh- handshakes awkward, so uh, I'm here too. <laughs> And Rage is like, wait, who is mind controlling you? Isn't that like something we should wrap up? And rather than answer, Yuki just dramatically stares at the chairman's box, <laughs> which is amazing. Where you can see the chairman panicking. And because he panics, it causes an overload reaction in the big crystal in the basement. And unfortunately, kills Caroline and uh, Nils. Yep. Caroline is like, uh, this is bad, right? <laughs> and then a while, then Sebastian the butler dynamic entries through the door. <laughs> through like the metal security door, just drop kicks his way through it. I, I love Nils is completely shocked and Caroline's like, it took you long enough. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking this is the first time I've been kidnapped. Why do you think I'm so chill about it? I've never been tied to a cute boy before. This is way better. I've never been tied <laughs> to my fiance before. So apparently nine bathers kaibagoons have gotten a handle on Alan and now are holding him hostage again. So nine can exposit about the crystal going out of control and it being bad and he can't get control and we see particles filling the stadium even all of the walkways that usually are just filled with fans and yuki's like this is bad they're carcinogenic (laughs) and then it starts making a giant space field all through the arena and then a wild boa queue appears and reiji's like this seems like some nerd shit what is this (laughs) and that's the end of the episode (laughs) I do really like the idea of him just being like, this seems like nerd shit. <laughs> Say, explain. But wait, there's more. And by more, I mean there's a boa coup coming out of the stadium. Which one is this from? Because this is Mobile still- Suit Gundam. This okay. is where the final battle of the one year war takes place. Okay. This is Xeon's final asteroid base that they made by crashing two asteroids together. You can tell because it's obviously two asteroids crashed together. <laughs> yes. And um, that's the end of the episode. So, like I said, like it's was a lot more fun to talk about than to watch, honestly. Yeah. There, there are a lot of good individual bits, but there are lots of, like we kept harping on, tiny things missing that could have made this episode much more to Gundam Build Fighter standards. And, I mean, honestly, it's kind of nice that an episode that's not 
actually that bad is disappointing in a show like this because that just shows how high their standards actually have been. It's a problem where the best episode is the, like I said, the fight between Reiji and Isla, and they like can't recapture that. And I don't think it was wrong to put that episode there. I don't think that's better as the finale, but it is basically the climax of the series. I mean, that's accurate. Oh, no. I, I think any anything I wanted to say we captured before we started watching the episode, which is mostly if they had done any of the legwork to make this a more emotionally resonant moment, yeah. it would have been nice. But I think most of the ideas are sound. Like I said, they've already faced Yuki, so putting a twist on that is fine. Letting them face Mashita actually works, and doing it by proxy makes more sense for the character. But the stuff just doesn't line up in a way that makes it an emotional payoff. We also get Mashita's backstory. We're kind of shoehorned in here. Yeah, kind of. I was a thief on the play. Why would he assume that Reiji would know? Is he just dumb? No, no I think I, that's super tracks. consistent with his anxiety. It is. It's not so much that he's dumb; it's that he's overworried about it. And like, I think they do a really good job of animating his like anxiety spirals because I feel like that's what I would be like in that situation too. Even though you're totally right, there's no reason for him <laughs> to be even a little worried. Well, about because it. at the same time, like. I feel like this is something that hasn't really come up, but as soon as he saw Reiji, someone he recognized and knew and quite obviously has this idea of right and wrong, like, what else is he going to think besides he's here for me? Yeah, why is Reiji here? Boredom, mostly. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> right. He just, like, showed up and was like, oh, this is cool. And then he discovered Gundam Battle with Say and was like, yeah, I want to do this. Oh, that's fair. Because that's kind of what is implied when he first shows up is that he's basically doing the tourist thing. And then he runs into Say and Say helps him out. And, is, and he's always like, okay, I will, I will assist you. And then he's like, I actually really like doing this. And you are a cool guy. So I will stick around and help you out. That also explains why he disappears earlier because he's just, he can just do it at will, apparently. I, so it's kind of, it's, it's weird because it's kind of implied that it's not actually at his will when he goes back the first time. Yeah, we'll get more into it next episode, I think. There's definitely some weird implications with it, right? Do you have a high point, Tyler? For me, it's actually going to be the creative use of the Absorb system. They do actually do some fun stuff with it in this episode that they have never done in any of the previous episodes, and I wish they had done more. Uh, and specifically the Sailor Moon ass attack. <laughs> I just love it. Zach? Isla's reaction to their victory, because it's so great. Sebastian kicking down the door, and then Carol's <laughs> oh, Sebastian! I'm surprised none of us went with arm put back on boy, but I, mean, I think it's good, but I don't think it's set up well enough. That's fair. Like I, when you're in the writer's room making that the climax makes sense, but I don't think they delivered on it. Do you have a low point, Tyler? The hallway chase was man. That was not very exciting. And we're in the middle of the last fight of the show. What are you doing guys? Zach? Hmm. This one's a little bit tough. Cause that's all. That's the obvious part. Go Because I don't want to just say the entire fight, because it's not quite right. But I think I think I'm actually going to go with the build strike shutting down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's never implied before that these things shut down for any reason. Like, why does it just decide up and now to do it, and then it just gets back up later through Shonen Spirit? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like, if they did a heat thing and purging the arm was able to fix it, like, that's something. But they didn't, so yeah. it's nothing. Now, what's your low point, Jeremy? I think I've used this before, but it's going to be its relationship with cheating and sportsmanship and, like, how they have to keep telling us this is bad because, but nothing, like, Yuki seems like a bit of a dick when he first kicks them. But even that, like I said, it's more impressive he somehow got there already. If they said he had launched early or something, then yeah. that's something. But, like, we have to be told he's going for the joints and stuff. And, again, that just seems like efficient fighting and, like, what you should be doing. <laughs> 
I mean, this might be a matter of, like, just how the three of us tend to view it. But, like, they're like, his relentless fighting style, I'm like, that just seems like a good way of doing it. Keep your opponent on the back foot, make them react to you. But apparently this is a bad thing? I didn't know we were doing turn-based here. <laughs> I'm just imagining, uh, Save just built a bunch of things that builds his limit break up fast, so he's like, every turn he's just firing off a limit break. Oh, so, um, no, that's, so that's what the RG system is. It's their limit break. Yeah. But a lot of times they just do it at the start of the fight, and the absorb shield is their limit break, so, well, I don't know. <laughs> do you have an MVP, Tyler? Yeah, MVP for this, uh episode is actually going to be Mashita for me. We actually get like some character development from him and I enjoy pretty much all of his scenes. So, I mean, that's true. That said, it's not I hate that son of a bitch and I'm not giving him any props. So, I'm giving it to <laughs> Reiji. I really like Mashita as a villain. I love how petty and anxious he is. Like I love how it's in a Shakespearean way really all his fault. Like, if he had just not done anything, he would be fine. Um, but he can't be, like, he's so worried about it, he can't, like, what he did isn't even that bad. Well, it's even more reinforced when, the, when you remember that Reiji has actually literally seen him. Yeah, and did not realize who he was. Yep. They, they have literally because, come like, into he's contact. Just guy, he's just a guy who broke in. Reiji probably never saw him before in his life. The crystal probably just vanished one day, and they're like, oh, that was weird. It just does that sometimes. I guess I'll go with Say to round it out. <laughs> he does get out of the thing and be like, hey, is, is it the mask? And he sees the arm, so. I do really like that scene of him, like, popping out the cockpit thing and being like. <laughs> I, I mainly was going, decided to give it to Rage because I realized I didn't actually explain it beyond I hate Machida. Um, <laughs> for, like, the come on move, all of that, because like, that's kind of the get, that's kind of supposed to be in a Gundam series somewhere. And uh, the very Shonen spirit, like, I don't really care for that super much, but. Like, that's kind of Ragey's thing, so. Although this episode was Isla's thing. That's actually what saved them. Shall we put the Exia Dark Matter on the list? I don't think it's going to fare well. Nope. (laughs) So this is specifically it as it appears in this episode, yeah? Yeah. Gotta hate this thing. Worse than the lowest of the Exia descendants, I think we have the Double O Diver Ace. I actually like the Diver Ace all right, so yes. I like the color scheme better, but. I think I agree. Lower than the Diver Ace. Yes. Uh, how do we think it compares to the dual Gundam? Very very standard unit of Gundam. I normally I think it's too overdone. I would prefer yeah. the dual Gundam. I was to say I'm normally not a big fan of the dual Gundam, but the the Exia Amazing Dark Matter Custom Double Plus. It's just trying as, too hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think weirdly comparable. How do we think it compares to the Raider Gundam? Huh. I like the Raider a little bit more just because I feel like its design is better focused. I feel like it's more unique with the flail it has. I'll make it unanimous. I, I kind of like the Raider Gundam's uniqueness. The flail is kind of a neat idea. The fact that it does turn into a bird. I guess it's, I don't like transforming mobile suits, but like it's a bird with a mace <laughs> in its mouth. Okay, we go to the Gatekeeper. How does it pair to the Gundam Altron Gian? Another I, super tryhard. Th- that feels way more on purpose, which I think is to its benefit, but I think I like the Dark Matter more. Well, you know where I land on this. I, <laughs> I have a pretty good guess. <laughs> I think I might like the Altron Gian more. All right, like it leans into its try-hard nature, whereas this one is just like, yes, I'm a shitty version of the Exia, a really good design, and the Ultron Gian is like, I'm a really shitty version. I'm a new shitty version of the Ultron, a Gundam that is already shitty. <laughs> so speaking of tryhards, how do we think it compares to the Masaru? Oh, huh. While you were at Gumpla School, I was studying yeah. <laughs> the play. <laughs> oh. <laughs> These are weirdly comparable. I think I like the Masarau. Is the Masarau beam katanas? Yes. I think I agree. 
I think I prefer the Maserati. But I think I like it more than the Sasanoo. I, I would agree with I that. I also agree with that. Are they right next to each other? Final question. Better or worse than the Alvaron, which is the mobile suit version of the golden mobile suit from the end of... I think I like it more than the Alvaron. I, I also agree. I think I like it better than the Alvaron. All right. So coming in at number 126, the Exia Dark Matter. Disappointing. Disappointed! <laughs> Do we want to put the Star Build Strike on or save that for next week? Have we not done that yet? Yeah, I, I'm surprised we haven't done that yet, actually. <laughs> nope, we have the Build Strike, but we do not have the Star Build Strike. I could have sworn we put that thing on there. They're very similar designs, but I think the Star Build Strike's going to fare better just because we've seen more of it. I'm not a huge fan of either one. Me neither, honestly. How do we think it compares to the Build Strike to start? I like the color scheme of the Build Strike more, honestly. But I do kind of like the features the Star Build Strike. Yeah, the, I, so the gimmicks definitely put it above it for me. I think I actually might like the the paint scheme on the Star Build Strike a little bit more. They're very similar. I prefer the Star Build Strike. Yeah, like re- what really puts the Star Build Strike up there for me is all the dumb gimmicks it has with the Absorb Shield. Because while it never uses them well, there's potential for it to use them well. Also, how do we think it compares to the Build Diver's main character suit, the Double O Sky? I prefer the Sky. Honestly. Well, if you added character in there. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm discounting the pilots. Imagine is piloting the double S guy, Zach, which do you like more? <laughs> hmm. This is tough. Imagine Riku is piloting both. <laughs> Simultaneously. Yeah, I guess that you makes remove sense. the character from it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, when we're writing mobile suits, we should always just imagine that Riku is piloting them. <laughs> I'm just imagining Riku in a destroy. Um. <laughs> I saw Riku in the in the uh, God Gundam. <laughs> this is this Berlin. Mine is glowing red. Its loud roar tells me to grasp victory. No, I no, Jeremy, because it's Riku, he would be looking at his hand and then go, destroy them. <laughs> um, I think I like the Starbolt Strike more than the Double O Dive Race. This is the sky. The sky. I, I knew which one I meant. I just zoned out for a second. I'm a member of the Shuffle Alliance. <laughs> I think I also like the Double O Sky more. I like the bits it takes from the Destiny. I think Destiny and Double O Razor is not a combination of flavors I thought would work, but I think it does. I think I might have the wrong mobile suit in my head. Yeah, this is the one. It has shoulders mode where it drops down. Oh, is this the one with the sorter blades? Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I okay. I, I did. I did have it mixed up. Better or worse than the Build Gundam Mark II, the other mobile suit that Say has brought to this I actually like the Build Gundam Mark II as a design better. I think I do, too. I like its color scheme more. Yeah. And like I said, it tells a story I like, which I always harp on. <laughs> I didn't realize this was here. Better or worse than the Gundam Love Phantom. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Um, uh, I think I like the Gundam Love Phantom more, but I think part of that is also that, like, I think I mentioned on there, that's kind of the idea I'd go for in one of these, so it's hard to say. And I will admit, I do like the Gundam Love Phantom's color scheme a lot. Oh, yeah, the pink and black. While I agree with everything you just said, Zach, I think I actually prefer the Star Build Strike because I think it's a little less... Like, don't get me wrong. I, I would also make the Love Phantom. A Strike but... Freedom plus Death Scythe? <laughs> yeah, but... I am the one who doesn't like the Gundam Love Phantom that much. I think I just don't like when you mess with the Freedom Gundam. That's my weird bias. <laughs> so the final question becomes better or worse than the Jim Sniper K9. Interesting. Hmm. This I... one's really tough. The Jim Sniper K9 is kind of an understated thing, and a lot of what got it on there was its its gimmicks, is what I think pushed it up here. Yeah. I think the Star Belt Strike has better gimmicks, though. Yeah, it's so kind that's... of where I am, too, and its color scheme is a bit better. Even though I think the Jim Sniper K9 belongs here, I think I like the Star Belt Strike I think Strike I more. would give it to the, the K9, but that's in part because I like the K9's gimmicks more. 
But the Star Build Strikes gimmicks are definitely much more shown in bullshit levels, whereas the canines are like, hey, I just fell out of 08th MS team. Yeah, and we did establish that in order to win in this tournament, you do need shown in bullshit levels of gimmick. So, All right, so the Star Build Strike is at number 39, above the Gym Sniper canine and below the Build Gundam Mark II. Anything else you want to say on this episode? I think we covered it pretty top to bottom. Yep, I'm excited for the next one, though. All right, then. We will be back next week with the final episode of Gundam Build Fighters. Promise. Podcast ended.